Hey, everybody. My name is Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net, and I'm joined by Ghost Rob at the Orange Julius. Hey, everybody. I'm totally feeling pretty good. Yeah, baby. <laughs> almost, good, almost getting your Wolfman wards, Wolfman mm-hmm. Jacks, right? Your Wolfman. I'm gonna. I'm about to uh, challenge Weird Al to to a song off. He's gonna come up with another, another one. Bites the dust. Another one bites the bus. So American fandom. Yes. Have you watched the Weird Al movie yet? No. Damn. It's I, I've watched it like four times now. I just put it on. <laughs> it's like that movie for me right now. I just put it on. I love it. it's it's so dumb and so good at the same time. Uh, we have like a a pretty I guess cool announcement maybe. Um, I found the will and the motivation to strip this show of audio, the the YouTube show, the live show, and um, put it on all the podcast networks. So I put it on Spotify first, which is where we're hosting it. And then it's on Apple and, um, you know, Stitcher and all of that jazz, too. So if you can't make the live shows and you want to just, you know, listen to the show at work and you can't have video of our stupid faces up or your boss is going to know that you're really just staring off into oblivion, thinking about sweet, sweet freedom. uh, You could do that now if you want to. And uh, make the uh, it's going to make the cartoon voices a little more fun. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking about this. We're gonna have to like be like more descriptive. I'm gonna have to be like two young men, too attractive for their time. They both walk alone, then they meet together, and they know that there's a war on the stars. But do they know that their paths were about to finally cross with destiny? So it'll and be like that. Spreezy, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, spreezy. <laughs> and then he's he like, "Hey, mate." Yeah. I got some hungry jacks for you. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. You know, no, no, do you know about this Snyder? He knows his mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So d- why don't so, you know your stuff? So I don't know. I, I, I was going to actually, uh, this is stuff I should talk to you about before the show, but it was kind of, oh, like, yeah. but um, I was going to say like, do you think I should upload all of the Andor reviews that you and I did to the podcast thing? Because yes. like the other two, like the last two will just show up. So I was thinking maybe I'm going to up. So if you're going to subscribe, there might be like a bunch of episodes dropping all at once. I'll make sure to not do that anymore, but I'll just do that for, for the and or reviews. That way, if uh, people are behind or they're like new to the podcast, that way, at least all of that's there. I want uh, them in order. Yeah. So you're not jumping between seven and four and one and two. That's what I was thinking. I prefer the chaos, but I understand. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. me too. I mean, I like I like the chaos too as well. Yeah, and it was a rural f- farm boy who was asking me a lot. Hey, you gonna, you gonna do that podcast? You put that podcast back up? You gonna do that? And uh, so, that's a word I can't say. You know that, Jason? What podcast? Rural. 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 I could I could say <laughs> it, but right now I really can't say it. It's hard to say rural. I was watching a video before we get we're going to get on the Star Wars stuff in one second. But mm-hmm. I was watching a video last week. It was like French people trying to pronunciate basic English words that just don't work with their phonetics. You know, oh, and right. I'm like, am I French? Because I can't say raw. Yeah. Rurapente. That's how it always ends up. Rurapente. Well, I mean, you got 
You got any? You got any of those Grogu dust bunnies under your pits? It might be French. So we're we gonna talk about that now. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we, can talk, we can talk about that. Really, I mean, there's like not really a lot to say. I don't think, but oh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it's well. I'm like I'm like of two minds here. The first is, I don't know why they put the uh, tweets out that teased something that they knew was going to make anticipation bigger than what they were going to deliver on but then they waited right. till the last minute which was a better way to do it it didn't it didn't have too long to brew and get out of control but they also didn't go out and like formally like announce it until the very last minute so it's like uh it's both stupid and not as stupid as it could have been and i you know what's that word i could never remember that that luthan is in nandor like like that wants to start the fires, you know the little accelerationism. Acceler, yeah. Is is are they being is, is Kathleen Kennedy being a uh, a Studio Ghibli accelerationist? Is she trying to start yeah. the fire to get like up another production, like like moving and uh, paid for? Right. And I don't know if you saw yesterday there was like a big announcement at Disney that there's going to be a hiring freeze and uh, layoffs coming and not fun stuff for for the employees unfortunately which is which we'll, sucks. We'll, we'll get to that in a second okay we're jumping yeah, you know, yeah. i'm staying on the the ghibli thing like the thing i said when we were talking about this announcement was i was like hey you know you may want to temper your expectations <laughs> you know just because by all means just having watched miyazaki's like you know uh, almost unedited almost unedited right there's always some form of editing in a documentary right Mm -hmm. but pretty candid response to all the students running out to watch the force awakens while he's alone animating his caterpillar you know got a got a sense he was 40 almost 40 when star wars 77 came out he didn't really care so i was like all right temper your expectations right but uh this almost could have just been like a commercial for disney i don't know like it it, it it's beyond expectation tempering and into the point where like if you say studio ghibli star wars even if it's only 30 seconds you, you have what they like to call in in writing jason the the promise of the premise right what's or, the promise studio ghibli right mm -hmm. or the premise is studio ghibli star wars think about all the things you think in your head just visually right and even if it's just like a little thing uh an ink brush thing with some dust buddies with some very creative music by Ludwig, I was, you know, the music was pretty good. But I like, wanted to it, hit on that. It's just so, it's just so like it's a non-plus. It's like, all right, this looks like. Again, the other thing I said was it could just be the whole opening a pathway to doing something later, like feeling each other out. Yeah, and um, like who here wants to work on this? I can see Miyazaki, right? Right. Who here wants to do this? I want to do it. Ah, oh, Star Wars, right? And so then they do it. All right. But like we got stuff to do, so like keep this. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want you eating up the ink and paint department too much, and don't ink this too. You know, like like just, just get it done. You know, and there you go. So it's super creative. It's yeah. super creative. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm not mad that it it exists. I just feel like it should have like the announcement should have said a three minute short from Studio Ghibli and Lucasfilm is coming, and we would just been like, cool, okay. Instead, we're like. Oh, is this going to be 20 minutes? Like one of the episodes of Visions? Is this a film? Like, because they could do a film. Like, like, like it's completely, completely, you know, possible. And also, um, if you're going to do a minimalist bit featuring Baby Yoda, 
you got to put some green in there somewhere. There's just, I don't understand no. some of the, like the green significance expected. of the pink flag. Like Fuck if he you. had had the green, if the flower was green and then he hugged it and he turned green, then there'd be a little twist there. You, you see what I mean? So yeah. even I, I'm all for liquid television, crazy, like, like not crazy, but just like, like I like Fantasia, like abstract okay. animation. I'm all, I love Fantasia. Right. Yeah. And uh, even the the sequel, not as good, although the Firebird Ooh. Suite is probably the well, greatest piece of animation ever but, made in America. Like, what if we had some of that Eon flux with Yoda's tongue sticking out, like a fly crawling on his eye? Well, and could shit? you imagine? Well, here's the thing: where he his tongue goes out, he eats a frog, and then you follow the frog down Grogu's gullet as you become assimilated and back into the Force. Like, there's there's all sorts of abstract things you can do. Yeah. So like. This is more like a commercial, like in a way, right? Like this would be like a cool little you could do little fifteen second snippets of this Disney Plus kind of thing or Right. So it's fine, but it's just like had they not put the picture of like Miyazaki blurred out behind the baby Yoda toy, I'd probably be just like, Hey man, you know, this is like a pathway, but putting Miyazaki at that, then you're like insinuating a certain yes. thing. Does yeah. that make sense? I, and I, 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 I I looked under the credits. He's not in the credits, I don't think. I didn't see no, him. No, and I knew he wouldn't do anything with I this. Figured. Like, like... <laughs> I figured. I figured, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm no expert, but from what we've talked about over the last year about him, and as he's come up, I figured that he wouldn't be involved, really. So right. it's so, cute, though. It's really so adorable. We had some feedback in the uh, – we'll wrap this up, but we had some feedback in the YouTube Whereas people were like, hey, man, I want to see more Studio Ghibli before this came out, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm certain Kathleen Kennedy wants a whole – you know, 18 episode series, you know, like no doubt it's not really the case. Like what they're capable of doing, you know, all hands on what, what, I mean, the dude's pushing 90. He, I'm sure he wants to get his Boro movie out, you know, in the next year or two. So yeah, I don't know, you know, like, uh, I do hope though, that this does signify that they're building a more independent creative structure at Ghibli, right? In that it doesn't just die when Miyazaki dies. You know they, like, yeah, they they are going to have to have to listen to. I mean, any company, whether it's Lucasfilm with George Lucas or Ghibli with Miyazaki, they're going to have to follow their own passions and desires, and not just live in the shadow of what would Daddy have liked. I mean, at some point, you just you're just guessing, and it would be but hell. But to to to, to be a little critical, they did do a commercial. I want to say like a couple years ago with this ink brush technique with some cats, mm-hmm. almost the same thing, but made a little bit more sense. Yeah. So like, it almost feels like, all right, you did sort of plug and play something you kind of already did. It wasn't like they developed, like you, someone's messed around with the ink brush. Oh, look at that. Like, cause it really wasn't even a full Sumi E like brushwork. You know, we're like, maybe it's splatting, you know what I mean? And like different buzz dust bunnies are coming out of the splats and well, stuff. Question. Like it, it said, it says it was hand drawn. Was, does that mean it was primarily hand drawn by one person in this instance, or would you probably pass off two. hand? Probably I don't two. Know. Yeah, probably yeah. two, two, maybe even four. But yeah, because okay. it's twenty four frames. It's just a lot of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could have been. <laughs> so typically, though, that's not they don't do things over there how like we do them, especially like at Ghibli. The way Miyazaki makes a film is he starts storyboarding. Right? There's no script. Miyazaki doesn't write scripts. He just storyboards the movie. And then as the storyboards are, he goes, these are, com- when he says they're done, he hands them. They just start animating it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they work in the dialogue. Like, he writes notes, but they work in the dialogue sort of, like, after kind of thing. Like, like they finalize that with the actor. And the actors, you know, the acting in Japan, they look at the final animation and then act to it. Okay. They it's not the way we do it. We do it the complete opposite way. You know, we got the script and then the animatic. And then, like, they don't do any of that. It's, you yeah. know, the actors do it. And then we animate to the performances, you know. So the upside to that, their process, though, is that the, the animator can become a voice. And a you different do rhythm. see this in this a piece. different rhythm, right? Like in the yeah, end. Yeah, like the Yoda, little Yoda when he's, ex- and he's blowing up in size and getting bigger into the camera and coming out. All that stuff's really cool. It's just that yeah. if he isn't green, I'm just going to let you guys let – me, let, me, let me give you some – for the Studio Ghibli crew that's watching our show right now, I know. Um, Americans don't respond to black and white line work on – they just don't, like like older people. So if you say Yoda and it doesn't have some green in it, they're going to be like, why any green? I'm just Oh, just I just got a down. text from, from a Mizaki, and he said, don't give a fuck what you Americans want. Oh, that's fair. I do, and I, and I totally agree. Like, I don't really <laughs> yeah. care what they want either, but I'm just like, if you're trying yeah. to get people excited – like the tonal paper would have been great for his coat. Like you don't need anything on it because he can just his coat's brown. Just that's mm-hmm. the one thing. Like if I were like, hey, you know, but whatever, so, I'll take yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and um, one thing I wanted to to uh, suggest. This is purely speculation on my part, but that really cute little synth uh, tune that Gornson, yeah. Gornson, Gornson, is that is how you say his name. Ludwig, yeah. um, wrote, super good. Lo- yeah, um, that might be Yoda, that might be uh, Baby Grogu's uh, theme in The Mandalorian. If you just take it out of that out of that synth, and you put it with some strings, that could be the melody. True. You know, good, we might be hearing point. we might be hearing the actual uh, unveiling of Grogu's theme in this, and so we'll have to listen for it and see if it comes back. And I'm hoping they I'm hoping they put the the three minute track on um, you know iTunes and stuff or Apple Music and and Spotify because I'd, yeah, I'd listen to that. He's quickly becoming like, and has been for a bit, like in my favorite, but in like, in just terms of like what he's also accomplished. Yeah. Like he's up there in my, in my working composers right now, he's in my top three, like, mm-hmm. you know, to all time, yeah. it's a much bigger list, but working top three for certain, yeah. just because his work on Black Panther is fantastic. His work on Creed is fantastic. His work on, you know, the Mandalorian is fantastic. And, you know, the music in Boba Fett wasn't bad either. I mean, he didn't do that, but he did the, the main theme, right? The main, like, main the theme was great. The main theme was memorable. Yeah. I mean, I could pretty much yeah. hum it right now if I had to. And his Grogu piece, super, super good. <coughs> super, sorry, I didn't mean to cough in the mic. Um, this is uh, this is cool. A little bit little bit frustrating. Hold on, Jason, a little bit before cool. we do that. Before we okay. do that. Oh, thanks, man. I just got a very nice um, DM from you, and I was just gonna actually gonna mention it. Thank you so much. Hope you are both well. Kune, um, Manoke style, Filoni, Mizaki film. My super chats last week as top podcast network details in your Twitter DMs. <laughs> okay, Jason. Now yeah. that we're on a podcast, you're gonna have to read who it is and not read it fast. The Star Wars podcast. <laughs> the Star Wars podcast. He gave us a super chat. You got to do that. Yes. <laughs> oh, I gotta say it too. Thank you for the super. <laughs> yeah. Number one, thank you for the super chat, and hope you're both well. Question: A Minoke style Filoni Mizaki film, and I know what Rob's gonna. I think Rob gets a little bit mad when Filoni <laughs> tries to do the the Mizaki kind of thing, right? Like you don't think he you don't think he has it down. Is that how you felt about? Isn't that what kind of? Ahsoka so I, w- I want to give Ahsoka's two things tells on this idea. Tells of the Jedi's Ahsoka episodes started as that, right? We we would say, sort of. So so. 
Uh, okay, the question is, a Mon what do you think about a Mononoke-style Filoni Miyazaki film? So, uh, I would say this. In 1999, uh, I saw The Phantom Menace, and I was conflicted. I, I like a lot of it, that Lucas was a little rusty. You know, fine. But I was excited about the future. I was super happy. I, 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 was, I was happy. You know, no one would tell you otherwise. I, Rob loved it. Like, yeah, overall, yeah. Then I saw Princess Mononoke. And I was like, that's what's missing from Star Wars. The, not want to say Kurosawa influence, but just this this mindset of a person, of the Japanese concept of man versus nature. You know, mm -hmm. like there's something that, I mean, there's an industrial machine there that's abusing nature and nature is striking back. And both are doing it in ways that like, and are they using the tools of their enemy in a way to do it? Like nature's using a human to fight the humans, right? But it's also right. going batshit crazy. And then the humans aren't completely evil. They're helping like lepers, right? They're helping, like they're keeping, there's, it's conflicted. It's conflicting. It's not black and white. And so, you know, um, the problem is that that level of storytelling, that's like two levels deeper <laughs> than mm -hmm. anything that gets done out of the Lucasfilm animation department. So what you're more likely to get is a visual aesthetic that mirrors the Ghibli quote-unquote style. Although, I'll be honest, if they are trying to build a relationship with Studio Ghibli, mimicking that verbatim will right. piss them off. <laughs> right. So, so I would just say that um, this is excellent opportunity to further push relationships with people who've already, with studios that have already done the Star Wars Visions. Like the Astro Boy one, the the Ninth Jedi, the Lop, uh, those sort of the, the Lop one, I think, has a real deeper story, you know, because if you look at the backgrounds, what the backgrounds are showing you, they're showing you what the Empire has done to an ornate, you know, traditional culture and has industrialized it, you know, mm -hmm. and very quickly. So, yeah. like, that is the sort of thing. Can Filoni write Princess Mononoke? No. <laughs> but to be honest, who has? Because right. Miyazaki didn't technically write it. He storyboarded it. You know, the story's in his head. So you have to bring life experience. And Miyazaki's out there cleaning, literally cleaning up, you know, riverbeds. And, you know, and he's active in his community. And is Filoni out there, like, in El Segundo cleaning up the rivers and shit? He, I think they should probably do a little more community service before they start trying to write those stories. Otherwise, it's going to come across as being very superficial. There, there, yeah. There's the long answer. Well, I, I, number one, we, we, did, we don't know. Filoni could be the greatest philanthropist of our – I can't even say the word right now – of our time, <laughs> and we just don't even know. We just don't even know. Or, um, you know, Filoni might, might be mixing up his recyclables because he doesn't care. Oh, hey, it's, it's Filoni's D. Oh no, Jason! I'm a I'm a philanthropist. Oh, philanthropist! I, I just You're I just like I'm a philanthropist. I just like to bring my <laughs> keyboards. I just start playing them wherever I go for your for your benefit. Just ba 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 ba. Pick up the trash. Ba, pick ba, up the trash. <laughs> yeah, it's just like pick up pick up the trash. Pick up the trash. Pick up. Yeah, I, I gotta rude. go. I gotta go. Rip smell Segundo. It's it's busy. I gotta go. It's rude. Yeah, I don't think he inspires anybody when he does that. Um, Max. Is suggested sure. that we have heard Grogu's theme before, and that was it. So maybe I'm a dummy. Honestly, I, I won't lie. I haven't watched um, Mando in quite a while with all of the shows we've had over the last year. 
just haven't really had time to. Are we gonna have to do a rewatch. We gonna have to do one of those things. I'm, I'll do it. I ain't scared. I wasn't. Wait, you I mean, call me there scared? There were no shows for that. You calling me scared? Because I ain't scared. That's true. We we could we could uh, we could do that like um, in between when we hit it when we hit the next lull. Well, yeah. Um, as we get the wrap up to season three, we should do a rewatch since you never did the shows anyway. So yeah. So uh, and then Aria just drops this in. The executive director of the Resistance show sat down with Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy recently. First Order Clone Wars show from him. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect anything to be a retread. Like, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, you're the executive director of Resistance. You're our Resistance guy. That's you. You're so it could be literally anything. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything to glean from there other than they're making more stuff. And of course, they're making more stuff. But uh, hopefully it's it's. But more involved in resistance. I, I didn't hate resistance. It just uh it just didn't stick with me very much, you know. Of of all of the stuff, I think it made the the, the smallest impact, although I did like some of the characters. That so, art style would have benefited a pod racing series, I think. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. It would it I was hoping that show was mm-hmm. like I said, I was hoping it was gonna be based off of what they were saying and selling. It was gonna be speed racer, and then we were gonna hit a point where all of a sudden it became how these racers become revolutionaries like not exactly an andor story but w- you know within a within the confines of an animated show and it, it likely did, you ever did see, it but barely mm-hmm. did you ever see a french anime called oban star racers no yeah it's a pretty cool little little series it's finally, i think it's finally gotten a 1080p re-release it, it did it on kickstarter like last year um but it was like a pod racing series Mm, like put okay. out like in the early 2000s i want to say 2001 or two ish you know so it's got early yeah. cell shaded cgi but you know so it's a little stiff but it's pretty good dude like it's a cool little series and i'm like be like if they, if they could do it they could do it in 2001 with no budget certainly you can do it now you know what i mean like mm-hmm. just saying and it had a bigger story it wasn't just about the raising it you know it kind of branches <laughs> out so yeah they they are i i think they're gonna have to launch like a big new series pretty soon like not too far away that actually like has some like substance to it because everything that we have we've had animation wise lately has been like not like in the main kind of story and but they may have to wait until like the lindelof stuff gets off the ground and and is moving before they could start doing anything sideways You, you can't really do sequel trilogy era stuff if Lindelof's team are about to define what that era looks like, does it look like? Well, my hope, yeah, my hope is as Unreal Engine Five becomes more than just a game engine, it can be used as an animation suite. That the assets they build for games, like Fallen Order or whatever future games, can then also just be in turn used as the basis for an animated series. You can just pull those mm-hmm. assets together. You know what I mean? You don't have to rebuild every time. You can build on to what you have and extend out per stories, you know? Right. But you get a lot of like reusability with that stuff. Right. So, the, okay. Oh, this is what I was talking about was, uh, oh, all good. Um, Star Wars podcast, the Star Wars podcast, which by the way, I love the balls on that. The Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I saw that. I followed, I followed you back yesterday, I think. And I saw that and I was like, <laughs> that's, I love it. Um, all good. Mizaki could executive produce and Filoni could direct. 
an Indy 5 Spielberg Mangold situation, it would bring Filoni full circle to ATLA. What do you think about that, Rob? Uh, direct who? To, you know, Japanese animators? Because directing on Miyazaki films means he'd need to storyboard the entire film. Yeah. So is Miyazaki is Filoni going to sit and draw every you know every keyframe for a film for an entire year while he's you know what I mean executive producing other things and story I don't know like that's a very there's a sequence in the in the Ghibli documentary I can't I I think it's the last one the Dreams of Madness the last one that came out mm-hmm. but it's when Goro his son is work is storyboarding on this his second animated film. And Miyazaki comes in and basically doesn't trash it, but just says you haven't gone farther enough. It's it's surface basically, you know. I said, and so there's this walk of shame, you know. And the whole time he's like drawing and he's happy, you know. And and then that shame comes out, but then Goro goes back and figures out what that is, and that's how they made that movie. Um, uh, on top of Poppy Hill, Poppy Hill, the Poppy Hill. It's pretty good. It's a okay. So you know, it's more of a. So it works out in the end. It's not just works a father out abusing his no, son works out in, the end. in front of a camera. But, his, but then they never get around to Goro doing the, the CGI thing. It's just Goro, look, I think Goro would do incredibly well in the American style of animation where you yeah. just, you, you lead a crew, you, you have a vision, you're, you know, you, you, everything gets done. No one's walking out, you know, like. But Miyazaki is not that he, he even says he's like, I put on the smile, but this isn't my face. I put this on because this is what people to see. I'm like, I understand Miyazaki on that level, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I can't ever understand fully an, an almost 90 year old Japanese man who lived through World War II and Vietnam and all that stuff, right? Like that's beyond my capability. But I do get the idea that there's this melancholy or 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 contradictory contradictory nature internally, but you have to like Keep that away from people as much as possible, you know, as much well, as possible. I, I don't I don't want to analyze it on my part too much because I'm not an expert in it enough to do so. But is is a lot of that like sort of when I say mundane, I mean it respectfully where it's just like here's somebody doing the dishes and, and being very domestic. Is that like living in the moment stuff? Is that about like appreciating life because of World War II and that kind of stuff? Or it's not it, doing the dishes. It's what is, where is your headspace? What 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 relationship do you have to that throughout your childhood? You know what I mean. What did that emotion? It's always coming from an emotional standpoint, as you understand. I'm assuming as a musician, mm-hmm. when you make music that's emotional, it's way different than making a pop song. So yeah. like, I would agree with you. That's the difference between listening to a Nirvana song and a Stone Temple Pilot song. So mm-hmm. Devil Pilots is made for being on the radio. You know, it has no meaning. They they just wrote fun, like creative lyrics, but they don't have any meaning. Right. There's no flies in the Vaseline. Oh, man, it hit my heart. Yeah, but yeah, but I fucking love it. Right. Yeah, I can yeah, put sure. that on in the car and have a good time. I can't mm-hmm. put Nirvana in the car and have a good time, bro. <laughs> have you like heard the, the best? The Ball best flip. you're going to get out of it is a memories of one of the grimmest, dark Batman movies ever made. And you're still going to feel depressed. Like. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, there's there's actually yeah. I, I won't say this and then I'll we'll move on from the Nirvana thing. There's 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 two kinds of Kurt Cobain lyrics: really dark and bizarre, or T-shirt slogans that are hilarious. So sometimes the T-shirt has slogans that are hilarious. But that kind of that thing, T-shirt but. slogan hilarious, yeah, can also be an emotional rejection of mm-hmm. the system. Oh yeah, Do you yeah. What I mean? Never like, met a wise man. If so, it's a woman. 
I mean, it sounds like. But a that emotional but rejection of the system, there, yeah, mm-hmm. is not coming from Stone Temple Pilots no. ever, right? No. Although so that's inter- interesting love song, it's pretty good. It's pretty good for this pot. Uh, it's their best song. You yeah. know, it's it's the one you could put on in everyone. You know, like mm-hmm. it gets out before it gets too much. You know, like it's it's perfect. Okay. It's their best song. I'm gonna give them that. That's all I'm ever gonna give them, though. Right, let's move and on. And thank you again for 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 another super chat, Star Wars podcast. Um, oh, 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 wait, Jason, Star yeah. Wars podcast is MVP of the day. I know. Thank you so much. A recent so Star Wars podcast says a recent Mobius style cell shaded game called Sable S A B L E is essentially Ray on Jakku the game. Thoughts on Mobius inspired Star Wars game? Love you both. Love you too, man. Thank you. So yeah, I I, I love. I'm a big fan. I'm not a Mobius expert either, but I, as a kid, I liked stealing heavy metal magazines to look at the boobs, and uh, through that, ended up having an appreciation for for Mobius. Does that make sense? Well, that's how it happened for me. And uh, yeah, I've been following so, this game on Twitter for a couple yeah. years now. Okay. I think is Greg Gregor Gregory or Gregorios. I can't remember his name. Gregorian Chance. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's like an open world game that looks like Jean Girard, Mobius's art, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's actually a pretty good game. It's not just that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at it, and it has a hand-drawn quality, simple line art, but that it, it has a strong uh, artistic direction, that's the thing from Star Wars that I would love to see. Unfortunately... <laughs> When Star Wars is being made only at the AAA level or the mobile level, right? The mobile multiplayer level. So there, this is where we had a discussion last year about there's a space for single A, 1A games or AA games, right? Right. Where I was like, there should be a Super Star Wars like collection that you could put out, like Super Mandalorian game or something. That 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 is a game that can be made in 12 months with a mm-hmm. studio that's not a giant budget. This sort of thing. Could also be, you oh, know, Rob, made by a, Rob, a responsible sixteen bit Super Nintendo graphics Mandalorian game on the second level. Your Grogu and your special power when you hit B is you could chomp the frogs, the frogs on yeah. the ground. You could chomp the frogs. I want to chomp the frogs, Rob. That's your next hit. Chomp the frogs. Chomp the frogs. Chomp, 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 chomp the frogs. Chomp the frogs. See. <laughs> People are like these songs are getting stupider by the day, but um, oh, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm at an Orange Julius and I'm a Forest Ghost. I gotta be <laughs> honest, not 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 a bigger nerd on the Star Wars community on YouTube right now, really. When you think and on Tuesdays it. and Fridays, I hang out with uh, Santa Claus, and that's not a joke. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I gotta Santa. fucking meet up with the Easter Bunny. We gotta, compete, you know, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, take him down. But uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know if people know this, but the Mortis stuff in Clone Wars inspired is inspired by Mobius. That was like that was Filoni's first stab at doing Mobius style design. So is Miyazaki. In- Miyazaki's mm-hmm. artwork is also heavily inspired by Mobius. So if you look at the way he renders an illustration, you look at Nausicaa, it's a hundred percent. And he's even a matter of fact, the flying on the the petrodact the pterodactyls or the petrodactyls is yeah. her flying on her airship and stuff almost a one-to-one so what well, want to hear heavily wanna influential want to hear my a big mobius regret of mine so i'm sure. a big fan of of alejandro hodorowski and when hodorowski hit that moment where he wasn't making films or couldn't make films 
he did work with Mobius. And when I was in San Francisco, I went to the, to the comic book store and on the podcast I used to have, the guy heard that uh, I liked Alejandro Hodorowski. And he's like, come into the shop. He's like, come in, you know, we'll hang out for a bit. So I go to the shop and then he gives me like, like a really nice like bag of random stuff. And, uh, and uh, I was living in San Francisco at the time and it was really hard to park and stuff like that. So I, I took the BART. And I fucking like a dummy left the bag on the BART, lost, lost it, never even got to fucking read. It was like the nicest gift ever. And uh, so I still need need to get that stuff because I'm super interested in what did Alejandro Odorowski and Mobius do together? I mean, that's that's got to be cool at the very least. So I need to get to that stuff one of these days. But yeah, yeah big regret, big, big mistake on my part. But um. So yeah, I I I love it when when they when they pull um, Mobius in. I, I'm even gonna say I could be wrong, but I sort of feel like the Mandalorian starfighters they have a different name in the canon now. I think, but the the starfighters that we were gonna see in the next season of the show too, I think those are inspired by Mobius. I think that was taking the Mobius design and applying it to Star Wars starfighters even. So I think it's there. I think it's I think it's I think it's pretty prevalent in a lot of star Wars stuff that we do, that we overlook still. So, well, I do recommend Sable. It's on steam right now. So, okay. Check it out. You know, it's like 25 bucks. Totally cool. <laughs> and I could definitely see a Mando, like if a Mandalore game done yeah. like this, hundred percent. Oh yeah. So what, why want to hear the other dumb thing, the other dumb Jason thing of the week? Um, sure. At least, at least I got the podcast out. Like we got a podcast now and that's out on, 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 spotify and all that jazz so that's cool so Yay. i did something right but uh so i bought this like 200 dollars plug-in okay and it, it's like a distortion <laughs> vocal distortion program <laughs> titanic sinclair recommended it to me who i re okay. musically respect a lot i mean this is a nice guy i respect him in general and um so i was like he's like you got to get this thing is this on everything i've ever done that you like and i was like oh so I went and uh, I, I I bought it and uh, I love it. It's a, it's a great plugin, but there's this really weird bug where every now and then when I go back to a track that's like been opened up and closed or left open, it's just there's no sound. Like the copyright infringement stuff takes over. So hmm. I uploaded. So I needed to tweak something on like the parent song, right? The parent track. All you want to yeah. do is have a good time. Uh, and when I released the uh, song, I went, it, when it got to, it got out, it, it hit the stores. When I hit play, the tracks were gone because of that bug. And uh, I had to take the whole album down because it won't just let me fix one song or delete a song. So I had to take the whole thing down. So the whole soundtrack to the show will be up probably next week because I messed up. But, you getting your money back, or is that just something? Oh uh, no, I I pay to have like like a record label, and that record label allows me to release. But it takes when you upload stuff, you still have to wait for it to like process and be delivered to all the stores and stuff like that. So I see. Yeah, I see. and nobody buys music anymore. Everybody streams, so that gives you time to it. make Chomp the Frogs, Jason. Chomp the Frogs. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, it's your it's your biggest hit of 2023. Right at the end, you're gonna slide in there with Chomp the Frogs. I may just release them all individually because they come out faster that way. I might just do them as singles, you know. 
but whatever uh, we'll see my I favorite think... band working actually at this point yeah. yeah probably my favorite band of all time queen was in that spot but i think the consistency of big wreck since 1997 the quality of their work they've never had a bad bad album little a bad song for me mm-hmm. so like i think at this point big wreck's probably my favorite band of all time but they their album they released last year they did in two parts i think okay so they said to get it out faster so they did like 7.1 7.2 which i think that's interesting i i don't I don't know, man. I mean, as a musician, what does that gain you? I've, I don't understand. I've that. had I've had the uh, the uh, same idea of doing the same thing. Well, it's just it's really expensive to get something mixed and mastered. It's hard to get other players mobilized to to do something. But I I was thinking about doing that too, and from because of Queen Two. If you're if you're familiar with the record Queen Two, there's a white side and a black side. There's March. There's 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 White Queen and March of the Black Queen, and they even put about. 20 30 seconds worth of silence in between them and it's supposed to like on the cd which is supposed to like simulate you turning it over as a vinyl record in spirit and uh and so that's almost like when you get down to it like two eps you know that's kind of how i look at it and um i i honestly don't think it makes sense for bands to do records anymore because everybody just streams nobody buys so you're just in a way, you're making something to, to pad out like something that makes something worth 10 bucks or 20 bucks, and people don't buy anything. So you might as well not. You might as well just release singles. And um, but I think that there's an well, artist. I buy their albums. Of course, of course. <laughs> and 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 I I don't I'm not saying I don't like like I don't want some band I love to to do like the Pixies to not make records and only make singles. I want them to make records. But does it actually make financial sense? No, but it makes creative sense, I guess. Or it builds a fan base, you know what I mean? Like it's like more like mm-hmm. investing in people to show up to your shows and everything else. But I do feel like if you put a single out every month or every couple of weeks, that would have more couple fan interactions. Weeks. This ain't that kind of band, Jason. They they really oh sure. Their I'm, I'm talking yeah. about myself or, or anybody. I mean, well, what I'm what I'm trying to they say. They make it chomp the frogs. Although I fucking wish they would. Yeah, like that would, would be amazing. If you do a record, it's tw- it's ten to twelve tracks. So that's basically one track a month. And well, Sting so, just reads Irish poetry now. Like that's how he makes an album. So you could get that out every week, right? Like, like yeah. <laughs> but he also yeah. was in the police and fucks tantrically. So he's better better man than me. I'm like me. Speaking I'm, of fucking tantrically, here's Perrin. Here's Perrin. <laughs> um, this this story is going around. Kind of annoys me because it, it was in. It was, this is I have fucking been saying this the whole time. Andor does use some stagecraft after all. If you guys remember the article <laughs> where I talked about the prison, the whole prison arc and what was going on there, we literally dropped it in that that Mon Mothma's apartment is uses uses stagecraft and or differs from the rest of Star Wars series. But this is Dark Horizons, and I, I missed Dark Horizons. I used to read them during the prequels, so I thought it'd be fun to use this yes. this version. Yes. And or differs from the that rest means. of the St- Star Wars series of the Disney Plus service by eschewing the use of stagecraft in favor of real locations and practical sets rather than CG backdrops. Quote, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, all rely heavily on the LED screen meets game engine technology to the point it became a bit of a crutch and had an impact on the staging and composition of various scenes in those shows, especially Kenobi. Who said that, though? Who said that? It's like a quote, but whatever. Creator Tony Gilroy originally said the series didn't use stagecraft at all a while which is when i was like lies lies 
deceit a while back. But it turns out that's not quite true. Rather, they didn't use the traditional 360-degree stagecraft studio, but did implement the technology in a limited and more practical way combined with sets. And or VX, VFX producer TJ Falls. That's a great name. TJ Falls. Yeah. Effects. Tell Slash Film about one key location they used the tech for. Quote, for Andor, we didn't use one of the standing stagecraft sets, but we still use the stagecraft technology. We built a specific LED screen around the embassy where Mon Mothma works. So they're having their party and you've got wonderful screens. And it's like, well, now we've got a wonderful practically built set. We're immersed with our environment of people. We're utilizing new technology in terms of stagecraft and blending everything together. End quote. Yeah, they used to just call this rear projection. <laughs> uh-huh. Like this is back in the day. Rear projection is literally where you would literally. Is that is that when I see a, a butt I like and I try to like see through their their pants? Well, the best use of it, I think, the most clever <laughs> use of it I've ever seen in a film was from the first Superman movie, and it's when they're on Lois's apartment on a rooftop. And there's a scene where Christopher Reeve walks by a tree, like he's leaving, and he walks by a tree, and then you see him take him fly off in one shot. It's one continuous shot. And she's looking at him, and you're like, how'd they do that? And that's because that whole backdrop is a rear projection where they had already put that flying piece together, and he just walked off camera, and it looked like he flew off. Right. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty clever, you know, like, and, and it holds up. So. Right. But yeah, they're doing that now with the LED screen. So. And he's talked about he's talked about that many times. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, on a side note, um, I have gone in, and gone into depth listening to all of Tony Gilroy's interviews, becoming a Tony Gilroy expert. And uh, before we get to this, I got to say, Tony Gilroy, he belongs with us. He's one of us. I told you. <laughs> 100% one of us. He's, you know, it's, it's, really, it's, really, it's really fucked up. Like he, like he shares these stories about how like he was like a really good guitar player and he started to realize he wasn't like at a certain level, which I hate it when he talks about that though. I thought that was that was shitty. I wanted to be like, no, Gilroy, it's about you, man. It's about you. But um, he like like was about to like kind of get like a his big break at one point, and then the the guy that in the band he was in killed himself, like committed suicide, and he's just like, well, there went that dream. And then later on, he goes and he makes like a really good demo and gets all of this like industry, uh, industry interest. And then they weren't a live band; they hadn't really played live. And when they went to play live, all of the industry people at the showcase are sitting at the same table, and just agree that that they suck because <laughs> they played terribly. <laughs> and uh, it's like, uh, like I, I hate, one day, I hate Jason, we'll take this show to a a, a live comedy stage. It will fuck it up. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and no, and and it, like like I mean, I'm not I'm not the same way, but he has like a father who's like like a famous screenwriter type dude, and but it has like this like gambling addiction. Professional so he's gambler. Professional gambler. <laughs> so he, yeah, he has this like he talks about this like dual life that I completely understand, like that kind of thing. Like that's how I feel about like my parents and like my, my family is that I be living in this fucking crack house one day and then the next day i'm like living in like a two-story thing because it got dropped off with a different parent you know what i mean it's it's wild and um yeah, this not, is the, exactly mark the same Marin but interview the mark maron interview is is super yeah. good on that on that yeah. front yeah where he goes into like a lot of the, the rock and roll history that of 
and he talks about how he doesn't want to be the 50 year old guy playing music or whatever and how embarrassing that is but then he's talking about like how and i agree and, and this is where I, I feel like him too is he, he wants he likes writing music and that's what i like doing too if i could just get my my, my all my friends mobilized i like five records to put out right now i'm done i just i just need help no but, nobody has done more star wars i wouldn't even call it parody music it's at this point because it isn't you're not parodying anything but it, you know star like music. satirical star wars music yeah. right and this year than you no one <laughs> right no. i'm i i actually it's pretty funny because it's all done out of frustration for my real music for my for my personal music when i'm like well i can't get anything else done on that at the moment uh, but i got i got the impulse and then i start going, don't rush chomp the frogs no oh no chomp the frogs you, you, you you rarely have ever said anything that sparked my attention musically when you just talk about it, right? I'm like, all right, he'll do a song. When you go, this one, oh, that's great. Hey, I, I'm, I'm incapable of imagining what a song could be. As 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 we all have our weaknesses, I always say mm -hmm. people have a hard time imagining artwork. I have mm -hmm. a hard time imagining music. You know, really? like it's not. Yeah, I can't. When you say it's gonna be like this, I'm like, sure, man, just go make it. But chomp the frogs, <laughs> fuck, bro. Chomp the frogs. You're like, <laughs> Rob has a little Cassie on. He's like, chomp, 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 chomp the frogs, chomp, chomp, you know, chomp. You know chomp, what? Chomp, frogs. If chomp, you had chomp, described chomp. to me a song called Atomic Dog before I heard of it, I would have wanted to hear that too. <laughs> man, I, I, for a second just now, I thought I really had chomp the frogs, but I realized I was singing "Kill the Poor" by the Dead Kennedys. Kill, 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 kill the poor. But I was doing well. The fun. dead Kathleen. No, don't don't <laughs> say that. But like, <laughs> the, dead, the dead Kathleen's. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's better. That's yeah, better. that's better. All right. we, we love her. We're not. We're no, not no. I want to be very clear on that. We're we're pro no, Kathleen. We are pro Dead Kennedys. I was too. making a joke. It's um, not. I, whatever. You get. It. I don't. I don't know if Baymax has this. I. Holy I haven't got a smokes. chance to try to find this, but there's a Willow Sex mag, a Willow Sex magazine, a black <laughs> on the cover of <laughs> Black logo. Panther Sex, Black Panther Sex. Um, you know it's produced. You know a magazine's produced in England or the UK when their logo could look like sex intentionally. Like who curves the back end? It's supposed to say S SFX, like right, special X. Mm -hmm. But who adds the humps to the left side of a f of an F? Nobody, oh, yeah. right? It's an E. <laughs> I know a little bit about typography, Jason. <laughs> that magazine's hornier than this show. That's what I'll say. But um, clever. Well, yeah. they outlasted Cinefix. Man, I'm. <laughs> but if it was Cinesex, they would have lasted. I, I'm so excited for, for 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 Willow though. I really am. Like me, me and my 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 daughter, we were like watching the uh, the uh, trailers. It was kind of fun. It was the first I've never got her to like dissect a trailer before, but on Willow something about it she was really into it we were like watching all three of them you know the teaser the teaser trailer and the the final trailer Trying well to figure stuff i'll out say this that. i'm not a big willow guy the trailer was good um mm -hmm. surprisingly so but uh if this show does well maybe we'll get another season of life is short if this season does <laughs> horribly wrong we're definitely getting a season two of life is short wherein he he can mockumentary his way through a Willow-esque series that he fucks up. Like that would be so good. <laughs> I, I think it's I, I think it's gonna be good. I just don't know if it's if it's going to build an audience right away. I, I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know what's kind of interesting about Willow is the moment that it's coming out. I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just the way it is, the way that things happened. But it's like you have Andor, which sorry one side caveat here 
everyone's talking about Tales of the Jedi, how much better it, it did than Andor this week. You guys are reading the numbers wrong again. The numbers from that site are social media interaction. When you put out six episodes, three of Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn, and th three of Ahsoka and her backstory, and it's breaking novels, and it's filling in the prequels, you're going to have more people on social media talking about it. I'm not, I don't know what the numbers truly are, so I'm not trying to, to make an argument one way or the other, just that the argument you're making is using flawed evidence to be made. And it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know, it, maybe it did twice as many numbers it, as Andor, but the numbers you're using do not tell you what you think it means or what you think it says. It's not correct. But it and, feeds uh, the YouTube algorithm well. Oh, so flawed evidence oh. feeds the YouTube algorithm. So, you know. You well, hey, <laughs> I'd rather have our 34 friends home. here in the chat than than, than 34,000 and be talking out my ass. So I guess. That I, is I, I don't know, is. Jay. I don't, hmm. You think I we should? <laughs> okay, okay. Here's, Can we bend here's, over and talk out our ass what, for a whole episode? <laughs> you know I'll do it. You know I'll do it. For 34,000 folks? Don't. I don't know. I'll be like, I'll be like getting these cheeks. I'll be like, turns out Willow's really tall. Lucas deception <laughs> exposed. Let's ask about engagement. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I did see there was a video that like Willow's already woke or something like that. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, come on. Can we not, <laughs> we have to do it on Willow even. But, um, but anyways, uh, we got some Indiana Jones news. And um, this well, is a lot of order. Well, before we do that, we got okay. a couple super chats really quick. Oh, we do. Star Wars oh. podcast is really. Star Wars podcast. Are you going to go broke, man? I appreciate the support, dude. But I, I will just read your things. But thank you so much. Now, now I, you can I, go I, to I Orange Julius, Jason. I know. Um, the Star Wars podcast sends a super chat for $7.99 Australian. Also, Willow must succeed. Without it, Scott Derrickson and Maggie Le Levin's upcoming Labyrinth sequel will struggle. I need to dance, magic, dance, dance, magic, dance, dance, magic, dance. Yeah, you got to slap that baby and make it free. I'm with you. I, I really do want Labyrinth to continue. But there is a thing. There's a thing in all 80s stuff I love that's coming back, even the, the, the Ghostbusters, that, that I don't like. And it's that it doesn't... It lacks the music. Like Labyrinth is fundamentally a musical by David Bowie or with David Bowie. And I want more Labyrinth. But if you're going to do it, you got to get St. Vincent in there and she has to be Jared's sister. You got to do something with somebody at the caliber of David Bowie. And it can't just be like, oh, we got Bruno Mars because he's hot or Childish Gambino, which would be, actually, I would, Childish Gambino, get Childish Gambino and make him. The, the another person in the they'll the just lab. get that Lynn Miranda guy, Jason. You know, oh, the fuck him guy. and his yeah, fucking fake ass <laughs> version of Hamilton. Learn your history, you fucking dolt. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. If you like Hamilton, just know that it's a fiction that is not Hamilton, is a fucking fascist. He said the worst thing about he hates democracy. Do, don't believe anything about that, anyways. Um. And and his his song in Star Wars kind of sucked too. Gonna say it. Blah, 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 blah. That was his thing. Oh, what would they do in Star Wars? Blah, 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 blah. It's like you could have done a lot better, man. Could have done a lot better. Remember the Cantina? That little I don't know. Was that Calypso music? I don't know what that is, but it it jammed. 
they jammed out and I, I needed something something to jam out and why would you get lin manuel miranda who does musicals he doesn't do sweet jams he does he does fake history he he he, he turns fascists in history into heroes uh anyways but thank you again and uh oh and also star wars oral knots love them i can like 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 that's what i was gonna say like like uh What's his name? Uh, Gilroy was talking about Elvis Costello. He's realized he wasn't at the level. I'm never going to be at the level of Arnold Knotts, but it doesn't matter because they do what they do good, and I do what I do what I do. Right. So, but imagine though, Jason, when you're starting out in music, you're going to clubs and you're playing against or mm-hmm. with, you know, like you're playing against Elvis Costello. It's not like looking right. at someone in history. Like that's. No, I, I understand. 70. Like that's what we're talking about. Like if you if you were trying to get into music in the seventies and you walk He's, into a bar, you know what I mean? It's Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix, you know, are yeah. sitting there and you're well, like, I played a guitar too. You feel pretty fucking inadequate. <laughs> well, his, his problem <laughs> is is that he was he he lived pre-punk, and like right. I I get to I get to see Jimi Hendrix and Brian May and Elvis Costello and everybody having put out hundreds of records or uh, not hundreds but a bunch of records and get, to see, yes. get to see kurt cobain come out with fucking four chords and be like yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're if the inspiration and the passion and all that's there i am so, the mandalore right i fucking yeah. love it dude it's so i mean good. i mean it's like <laughs> i mean but i mean you know it context matters i mean look at teen spirit and the godzilla song it's the same thing pretty much and more than a feeling and uh but what Kurt brought to Teen Spirit is what changes that up, you know. So I, I, I think, I think, I think Gilroy is fairly punk to slash post punk. And he talked about playing with the Cars a lot, so it's probably more new wave than anything. But, um, but I, I want to hear. <laughs> um, but, but, but my, my big thing is you should hear I, his rendition of Jitterbug, dude. It's well, I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear the uh, demo that he that he made that got showcased. And he said it's out, and he still has it. He still listens to it, and he was kind of being dodgy about it, like he maybe didn't want people looking for it. But I think it's out there. I want to. Hear That's it. why I was hoping he did that when he did the interview with Edith Bowman on soundtracking. Maybe she would have had a snippet of that because mm-hmm. that would have been the place to put a little bit. Like, here's what I did. It's embarrassing, but why not, right? Because it's a musically he seemed, driven. He seemed proud of it. He seemed like he was proud of it too. But he seemed like All he was right. just humble. Well, then I was just being like, yeah. if he wasn't, yeah, but that. yeah, that it was. It was very strange to have <clears throat> him on the on the music show. It was inter- it was still good, but I was wondering like maybe, maybe they're going to do two episodes. Maybe they're going to get um who's the director of uh, the music composer of Edward Nicholas again? Patel. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. she she did she have him on? Someone had him on because I told you I listened to a whole interview with Nicholas Patel. Yeah, it was really good. Now that was uh, the Rogue Ones had him on. So that that has to do with not getting the composer or getting the composer. That has to do with who's doing the press junket. You know, the PR people are putting out. So she just reaches out to whatever's available, and that's what's available with the PR people. Right. right? As you know, Jason. As I know. As As I sometimes know. Um, And then the Star Wars podcast, the other 799 Super Chat, says Ward times – is that that X? How do you say that? Ward Ward X, Arl Nazis. X, Oral Knots Music. Let's go. Choose the name for the topic network thing. Simple, but gets the job done. We also do the Willow Podcast. You do a Willow Podcast? Oh, man. I'm in there on the Willow Podcast. I'm, I'm going to be listening <laughs> to that today. I'm not even kidding. I, I, I've been sick You, all Warwick week. Davis, and his mom are listening to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm I gotta, in. I gotta, it'd be like me having to be on a Willow podcast with you would be like me as Matthew Broderick and your, your, uh, <laughs> he, he John, Jim Carrey at medieval times. He doesn't you know, know. What I mean? guys, guys, he doesn't know he's on a Willow podcast. He really is. He just doesn't yeah. know because we call it making Star Wars show, but it's going to really be a Willow bait and switch. So Jason's going to talk. As if he's in the Willow verse at the same, you know. I'm like, oh, hello, it's a daikini. <laughs> Rob the daikini is here. Oh, no. Rob. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, we could make you a brownie. We could make you a little tiny brownie. You know, come on. This gets me hungry. Stop talking about food. <laughs> you, wanna know, wanna know the, you know the only reservation I have about it, which I probably will think it's, if it's funny, it won't matter, but is in the the Willow film – the trolls are just like we're trolls, you know. And then this one, like I think you meet like like the uh, troll king in the trailer. It looks like the troll king, and he's like, hey, and he's like telling jokes and stuff. And I'm a little bit like, hmm, that's the only like kind of reservation I really have about the the thing right now. But I'll probably get over it. So and and thank you again for the super chats. I appreciate it. I appreciate the, the support of the show. I appreciate all of you guys liking and subscribing to the show and all that jazz too. You're thank welcome. you so much. Thank you, thank you, Rob. Got to run, guys, but great to pop in while I could, says Roland. Bye, Roland. Roland, rolling down the river. Okay, so... Um, keep on rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> rolling. Keep on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so if you want Sex Magazine with Black Panther, uh, Sex Sex Panther, Black Sex Panther <laughs> Magazine, sorry, Black Sex Panther Magazine, Willow's exclusive. Warwick Davis says, yeah, I'm kind of a Sex Panther. So uh, okay, so two things here. This is this is this is a little bit of a baby scoop, maybe. And we're talking uh, Indiana Jones now. Talking to Indiana Jones, and I'm 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 the insider. Um, said this on his show the other day. Bestman Bulletin wrote it out for me. Thank you, Bestman Bulletin, for the help. Jeff Snyder, Best, Jeff Snyder the insider, who has become an outsnider, and I'm loving it because he doesn't give a fuck. And I'm all about it. Yeah, he he drops these on a podcast called The Hot Mic. You can get the, the hot mic. Pretty good. Hot dash M-I-C. Hot mic with John Rogan. Pretty good. Pretty good. Almost show. called this show the Hot Jason, but then thought couldn't live up to it. <laughs> uh, this is what this is what nah, really it, but then Mac shows up and outdresses us all. The hot Mac. Hot Mac show. Hot Mac show. Um, yeah. this is okay. So this is what he said on, on that show. This is what I've heard, and obviously it's early days. They don't even have a writer attached, right? So basically, they're hearing pitches and trying to hire a writer. I think this is about the Indiana Jones TV show, by the way. Back to the quote. I think sometimes when you do that, you meet with writers to hear their takes. That should be their takes. Uh, like what they should, what should the show be? And other times, you've decided what the show is going to be, and you try and find somebody with a vision to fit that. And that's what I think is the case here. Here's the scoop on Indiana Jones. I've heard the Indiana Jones series is a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, which follows Marion's father. End quote by Jeff Snyder. Abner Ravenwood. <clears throat> it was Abner. funny because John was bringing it up. Yeah, Abner Ravenwood. And, and, and Jeff goes, yeah, okay, whatever that. <laughs> if it's Abner, great. Like, <laughs> no. Because he doesn't follow. The, yeah. Ravenwood's <laughs> still a cool last name, isn't it? It is. Now, in my did Indiana you, Jones 5 travels, though, I have a little thing to add to this. Do you think – I'm going to let you finish it. Okay. In the Indiana Jones uh, – so this is it from my notes from very recently, and I was like, oh, shit. Went back, looked at it, and this tracks with what he just said. 
This is from my notes. This is a very solid source. Uh, Richard Young, who plays Fedora in Last Crusade, was in fact playing Abner Ravenwood, Marion's father, in the current canon at Lucasfilm. And then he has been approached by Disney about replaying the part. This is so a, that is supposed to be Abner Ravenwood. That is me? that is what a source of mine said, as far as they understood. Now, Fedora had been canonized as Abner Ravenwood in Last Crusade. So I don't know, and and then and then they said that they talked to him about doing stuff. So I don't know if he would. I kind of doubt he would be playing Abner in the series, but maybe he would. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Is of the any only way you could, if that is, if they're saying, if they could get him, and they're like, "Hey, that actually is Abner in that scene," because we never hear his name, right? Never. Yeah. So, um, then that that would get the the what do you call those? What do you call that word? Uh, contrarians, right? Who are mm-hmm. like, I don't want to make it a pro the prequel, blah blah blah. But if it actually featured the actor in the Last Crusade. Yeah, you know, on some level, like <coughs> here's my diaries right before I die, you know, and yeah, yeah. Also, um, with this source, I tried to get about um, the premise of Indiana Jones Five. They weren't really budging, but I got to be honest with you guys, I don't have anything to go on here. I'm not thinking it's about time travel at the moment. I'm thinking it's something else. I don't know what. I don't know what to Spread. what to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm just you know like like I'm exploring this with the rest of you guys. I'm I'm doing the work, and the work is taking me to. It's not time travel. So it's Fez travel. It's all the it's, guys that I'm he, thinking, wears fe- he puts on a Fez. Sala yeah. shows up, and he puts on the Fez, and you travel through the Fez. It's Doctor <laughs> Who thing for you, buddy. Um, you know that that Doctor Who's uh, coming to a Disney Plus really expensive. Yeah, they're actually books. paying for some of that too. By the way. The uh, yeah the uh, first one I don't think has the 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 Disney money in it, but it has uh, the original Doctor from the second season of the new reboot on it, and right. then uh, David Tennant, who I love, and uh, and then it's after that going to get really expensive. Apparently, um yeah when, I'm we, it up. when you were when you were showing us the statistics of female engagement on streaming services and mm-hmm. Peacock was number one and Disney's like dead last. Yeah. I was saying how the Doctor Who could be an outreach to uh, make sense female family yeah. because Doctor Who crosses over big time. Right. My wife literally just rewatches <coughs> it on a loop. Yeah. Like the way I watch Rounders, she watches Not- all seventeen seasons of Doctor Who, but I watch Rounders on a loop. Like that's right. My- <laughs> that's my I, I I love I love me a cute Doctor Who girl. Can't lie. Um, I I think you apparently do too, unless. Unless it's like a TARDIS inside. I met one. It was like a TARDIS inside. I'm kidding. I made that up. Uh, um, bad joke. Bad, form bad joke. No, no, that's good. It's good. It's good. Bad form, pizza. It, it, it's great for him. I mean, come on. TARDIS <laughs> vagina jokes. That's, that's that's pretty good. No. But um, anyways, so yeah. So not trying to piggyback on Jeff Snyder's work there. Glad he said it. <coughs> I wouldn't have known it was significant if he hadn't said it. That's just the truth is I had that in my notes. And uh, I was like, okay. So I figured, like, maybe there might be a novel or something, and maybe it might be coming in a novel. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. But if what Snyder's thing is true, I think that's another breadcrumb to where they're at. And um, when they said that they had approached him about doing something, I assumed maybe it was just to be an Indiana Jones 5 in the background or 
to be like a double. I know he I knew he wasn't the primary double, but maybe it would be cute if he was like a double on a shot and they could do a little thing. You know, I, I didn't know if it was cute or if it was something significant. It may be something significant though. It may be. I I, I don't know. I I don't know what to make. They're of going it. to reskin the indie right at Disney and put Abner's face on that <laughs> non Harrison Ford looking Indiana Jones. Can they just can they just buy his likeness to Indiana Jones now so they can fix that animatronic Indiana Jones. I, that's my second favorite ride at Disneyland, but it doesn't have Harrison Ford's face. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He looks more like Abner Ravenwood or Fedora than he does Harrison Ford. So. It has that weird 90s Lucasfilm, everything's sort of like an AI re rendering <laughs> of Kevin Costner. You know, they, they kept doing that yeah. weird thing. Well, I mean, it, it does it does make sense that he would be Abner. I mean, I've heard the I've heard the theory of it before, and um and people questioning it before. Is is that Abner? It should be, and but it wasn't. It was just a character called Fedora that was just like the archetype for Indy that he looks up to. But um, now it, it appears that if the idea is that that will become Abner Ravenwood, or that is Abner Ravenwood, and that's his first interaction with Indiana Jones and. You know, well, we were discussing off air some indie stuff we can't talk about, but I was like, I'm going to go back and reread that Rinsler Indiana Jones book I got and see if I yeah. can glean anything from the production of The Last Crusade, right? And the only thing I can glean was they had a lot of weird fucking ideas for that movie before it became the movie we knew. <laughs> like, yeah. this is all this Monkey King stuff with, or like, the there was a ghost in a castle that Indiana Jones was chasing. Yeah, I, I lost. Yeah, yeah, that was that was by I think that was the Chris Columbus one, the ghost one. I want to say this is before be that Chris Columbus was brought on. Set, yeah. There was a they kept oh, redoing okay. it, so there was like three people at before it became the Monkey King. Well, and and uh, and but that's why we end up the, the haunted castle stuff is why we end up with the castle even in the movie in the first place. You can tell it's right. just like that. It was that weird Spielberg Lucas thing. Well, there's going to be a castle. Okay, we could budget that. They start budgeting the castle. Now, castles, it's like fucking Gremlins too. Castle's in the movie. <laughs> Does it need to be? Nope. But castle's in the movie. The best piece of it, of info I got on that was that Sean Connery was the one who suggested that he also slept with <laughs> really? the, uh, Elsa. Yeah, yeah. He, he, wanted a, he wanted a situation where he did everything his son did, but better. So yeah. I must have I must have also done her better like, like that was literally <laughs> they found a tasteful way to make that work but it is hilarious like tasteful I don't know if I would go that far <laughs> Definitely very fucking weird like it made it, it made my girlfriend's conservative father laugh right yeah like and this yeah. is like old school conservatives where they weren't laughing at that shit well, now right so. you you know you know why that why that works why it's okay because it's the it's the dad fucking the the same girl as the kid he's fucking the hot girl so the dad's like i want to fuck elsa so then therefore it's okay <laughs> i get you if, if you flipped you. it if, <laughs> if if you flipped it if young indy if if old if you flipped it then it becomes even it becomes worse so anyways yeah, yeah. It, it's strange strange fucking thing i mean in a we got we got george lucas saying it's more interesting if marion's 11 or something <laughs> <laughs> like when, oh, yeah. when they meet, um, it's not we got, good, man. we got Indiana Jones fucking, you <laughs> know, and his dad fucking the same girl. We got Luke Skywalker Frenching his sister, his sister Frenching her brother. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's a different time. There was a whole version of the last crusade where 
a student of his. All these girls are trying to fuck Indiana Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Or like they're breaking up with him because he's sleeping with all of his students. And one of them sneaks yeah. in, like in his luggage or something and comes along the adventure. And it, and then she ends up hooking up with the female. Like there's uh, uh, another like adventurer they meet up, and she ends up leaving Indy to go adventure with that lady. Then there's a whole other one where he gets married to like two different people, bro. Like, and they put the the treatments in there so you can read, you know, Wait, this stuff. They they wouldn't like, they wouldn't that can't be they would they wouldn't have done lesbian stuff. They didn't that. uh they didn't oh, okay. outright say that, but okay. you know that's what I mean. Right. Like that's like no, I'm gonna go learn to be an archaeologist from this person. But her whole thing is to be with Andy, then to be with someone else. It's like that implied thing, right? Right. Like, they could never do that outright <laughs> in the '80s. But I I feel like uh. uh there was a rumor. I don't feel like it. There was a rumor. I don't know if it was true, but there was a rumor that at one point there were they were playing with Natalie Portman being Indiana Jones's daughter, and going that way, and then that yet there was like there was a rumor. I think it was on Indical News, and it was like right. the the rumor was that there were two versions. One was it was his daughter. Another one it was his assistant, or not his assistant, a student. Who stowed away on the on the adventure and was really into him, and he had to be like, "Look, doll, you're a kid, you know, kind of thing." Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. that that the stowing thing might have been from Crystal Skull because I kind of read those. I was like, "What are they doing?" Okay. I may have read those back to back. I'm I'm not good with the the deets yeah. like you are, but the daughter thing definitely came out in that conversation, not the the Portman casting. Yeah, in that Lucas wanted to do. Indiana Jones's daughter. I didn't sound right. You know what I mean. He wanted to yeah. put her right. in the script. And Steven didn't want to do that because he had done the daughter thing in The Lost World. Right. It's so weird with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because I just get I get like nerd angry reading it when when uh Lucas wants to put an alien invasion kind of thing in there or you know wants to do something more with saucers and Steven goes, I don't want to do saucers, I've already done that. And Independence Day had just come out. And I'm like, but then you go do War of the Worlds. Like Steven then goes and does War of the Worlds, and it's like had they just made a War of the Worlds 50s remake with Indiana Jones and the War of the Worlds, yeah. that film would have been Jason. Think how well, big Kingdom, if that film had, if it had been Indiana Jones and it come out in 2003 or four, right in between episodes two and three, you know, Indiana Jones and the War of the Worlds, dude, like that shit would have been fucking epic. Epic. And it could have taken us out of a timeline that was adhering super strongly to a you know real world events. Yeah. Because we're at a point now where it's like, well, how do you take Indiana Jones into the present? And you're like, oh, the Cold War. I'm like, well, no, you need you need the aliens attacking in the fifties so you can have a much more fun and adventurous future to have crazy Nazis come back in the seventies with alien technology or yeah. some bullshit like that. You know, I, what I, mean? I, it needs more. I, I feel like if they were going to lean into the tropes of the day with communism, anti-communism, I think that they should have went more less War of the Worlds and more Invasion of the Body Snatchers because that was the true Manchurian candidate kind of stuff. I think that that – Sure, and it could have tied into – because Ford in that interview was saying he wanted Indiana Jones to be tracking down Nazi survivors, you know? Yeah. Like like in Argentina Argentina and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. What if they weren't Nazis? What if they were aliens and they were also, you know what I mean? Like, there's a way to put that sort of paranoia thing. And they could have called it Indiana Jones in the Snatch. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
Like another <laughs> another person who I know who worked on no uh, Guy Ritchie sues him. Hold on, Guy Ritchie sues him because of Snatch. Somebody I know who worked on on Indie <laughs> was telling me yeah. they were. I don't know if it was if it was uh, Ford was in on it, but they were really cognizant to not make him so grumpy and old. Like in this in new, new Indiana movie? Jones, yeah, they're like he doesn't he doesn't seem, seem so grouchy and and like how you know he seems tired in Indiana Jones four. They were. He doesn't seem tired bit. in this one. They were, yeah. A little bit. I mean that that was on purpose though. It just wasn't a it wasn't smart direction. You know what I mean? Because it just, you again, the movie's tired. But. I just want to to end that the indie t- chat. I just I just want to. It just frustrates me that Steven didn't want to do anything to do with science fiction and and spaceships because he had done science fiction and spaceships and yeah. Independence Day. But then he makes War of the Worlds. I just that's the contradictory part of like Steven Spielberg. And if you ever yeah. read a book, hold on. Yeah, yeah. There's the yeah. book, They Would Be Kings, the, the DreamWorks story. And it's about, um, it's actually sort of a sequel to a book called Disney War, which I also recommend. It's when Eisner and Katzenberg took over Disney. And okay. then it ends with Katzenberg leaving, right? And the They Would Be Kings is when Katzenberg forms, you know, the DreamWorks with Spielberg and uh, Giffen. And the the writer of Disney War did the foreword, so it's it, they very tie in. I highly recommend those audiobooks if you just want to listen to it. Reads okay. incredibly well. Um, but you get a real good sense when they were building DreamWorks, this idea was going to be this giant five hundred million, two hundred million to five hundred million dollars studio. They created a fake lake, you know, to to put the studio in, and and then Stephen, he just will never commit to anything because he doesn't want to burn a bridge or like. He doesn't like to spend his own money and he doesn't like to commit to any one thing. So they're they're over here building all this stuff up. Sounds like a good date. Investors, getting ready to launch a brand new movie studio, which hadn't been done in the longest time. And then he goes and makes his first film. He goes and makes Saving Private Ryan with some other studio. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he makes it with, was it Paramount? Like Universal, one of those fucking things. Paramount probably. And then like. That should have been DreamWorks. So DreamWorks' first movie ends up being The Peacemaker, which, you know, like, this is a big limp. Like, this is a, especially in the 90s, like, you needed to come out firing with the big win. It's called The Dream Team, right? Steven yeah. Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg, the head of animation, the head of Hollywood, and the head of music are all teaming up to put this big, you know, billion-dollar studio together. And their first movie is a George Clooney film not directed by Steven Spielberg. Got nothing, You know, and then Prince of Egypt. I'm not a religious dude. That's an excellent piece of work. You know, the animation, the storytelling, you get to mm-hmm. see God kill a bunch of kids. It's fun, dude. I love it. And so like, <laughs> <laughs> we keep it real. I like real it. fire and brimstone stuff. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Motherfucker. Beautiful animation. Beautiful. Wonderful score. Back before but, like, God became a woke, uh, candy ass God back when he would but, but, really send plagues down and really burn some shit. But that kind of just, kind of goes under the radar and you don't really get a sense of any DreamWorks animation until Shrek, which is a spoof of Disney, right? Like, so it's just, it's just one of those things with Steven, like you just can't, when people are like, oh, Steven Spielberg gonna do a Superman movie, he's gonna do this, he's gonna do that, why wouldn't he do a Star Wars? You can't get Steven Spielberg. I, when JJ doesn't like, when JJ Abrams gets 500 million and doesn't do anything, I'm like, that's the most Spielberg move he's made yet. <laughs> like, well, like, like everyone it. says he's the next Spielberg. Well, that is literally, a Steven Spielberg move. Like <laughs> there's only one Shrek as far as I'm concerned, and that's Max Shrek. All right. The from Nosferatu or from Batman Returns? Batman Returns. Oh, uh, because it's also the name. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. 
but it's Batman Returns. But also, if you like Batman Returns or if you don't like Batman Returns, you probably go listen to the Daniel Waters interview at Superhero Stuff You Should Know. He's fantastic. Okay. Jason, he's your kind of guy. Daniel okay. Waters, 100%. Yeah. All right. I'll, yes. I'll, I will. Um, and then Star Wars Podcast said another super chat and said the nicest thing of all time. Now, he's nicer than any of you guys. All of you guys are mean to me, but he is very, he's a sweet, sweet man. I super chat a lot because, frankly, you generally deserve it. Working as hard as you do despite constant theft. Hope it brings some balance to the force. It does. It does. And it makes it an easier pill to swallow. Feeling appreciated. I feel like a woman right now. You know, like a real woman. Not like a, not like just some, you know, little slag that people just continually says has a TARDIS vagina. You know? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You feel more like a size noodles and less like a yasm. I feel like every woman right now. I feel like Whitney Houston. I, and, I mean, and and he's my Bobby right. Brown. It's, it's been in my head the minute you started talking. I started hearing the song, and then when you went there, I'm like, motherfucker! I knew where you because I started hearing it as you were talking. <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> the podcast says a two ninety nine super chat says the indie podcast, the indie podcast stoked for indie five RPG in twenty twenty four. You think you think there's going to be an that's a Bioware indie? game? Bioware, one of those yeah studios was supposed to be making a Indiana Jones game for the longest time yeah but no one's seen or heard from it so for good thing i don't think people should be looking at games way early in advance uh cyberpunk but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know? love cyberpunk like, i actually love cyberpunk too like i, like, I want right. to play it again i, I want to play i want to now that it's been polished a bit more i want to play it again but yeah man if only they could have just waited a little bit longer on that one but yeah, and I'm with you because like, what are they going to say? Like, oh, it's not done and it has problems because every unfinished game has problems. So it's it's a it's kind of a grift to, to report on that kind of stuff unless there's like also, real big problems. Like the game isn't even started being made yet. Like I heard uh, some stuff about the old Republic game. Like it's pretty much been prototyped. And it's kind of where they're at. It's just like, oh Jesus, that sounds bad. Yeah, but we knew that when we did the conversations about that game because the studio that that is producing it is is a is sort of an overseer they oversee they're like a middle middleman's not a good word for it, like a managing firm yeah. right that that gets together different studios and sort of coordinates contracts so it all out it's, and... it's not yeah it's a it's a generally those things are done for remakes because you're going to split a, a giant game up amongst three or four different studios but this seems less a remake and more of a reimagining. So yeah. I just wonder if the core concept of that project is flawed based at where it's at. Like, it seems if you're going to do a re a reimagining from the ground up, utilizing content or story from right. the original, you need less of a um, what's the blue studio that did the <coughs> Demon Souls remake and more of like Bethesda, right? right. Someone that could so. The thing I would say about Bethesda games is always remember those seem to live or die on fan mods, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, they they can be glitchy. They're so complex those the, their their systems. People kind of shit on them for that, but those are really complex game engines. So, I would say if it doesn't have a PC release, that'll be unfortunate because I think that in Bethesda games do way better on the PC side uh, mm. in terms of quality of life content then and i'm a console player so i'll never get to mod the games yeah but you'll be able to stuff, watch right? the youtube videos right so yeah well, but, no, with, no, with consoles graphics? can do mods you oh, can okay. do mods it's just they tend to not provide the support because you what you need is a, a way to get the mod onto the console which means yeah. you need to store that 
puts that in a lot of fan content generally is like IP infringing things. You know what I mean? Like it's right. very difficult. So they could put one of those things where, yeah, it's on there. If you could figure out how to get the content on your system, then you could play it. They could do that, you know, and that has happened before. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we did it all. We, we made up for yesterday. My voice is a lot better than it was yesterday. Yesterday, I had no voice. Today, I do. So that's good. But I'm going to go cough my brains out after the show because I've been holding it back. <laughs> I have to do it. But um, make sure um, if you want, if you can't watch the show every day, by all means, please subscribe to us on a podcast format and subscribe to the channels, to, to the show there. It's called The Making Star Wars Show. And um, like it and leave a, a positive review. I imagine my detractors will try to review bomb me negatively like they used to. I imagine that will come back, but that's, that's the way it is. And uh, so positive reviews on the and the subscriptions on the podcast stuff would be appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, and you could send emails to makingstarwars at gmail.com if you have if you listen to the podcast and you have something that you want right on the show or something to say on the show. And uh, that is a good way to get through to me. So, and our, our last super chat of the day, which I really super appreciate again from the star Wars podcast, all good, Jason, this specifically for Rob, your clarity, star Wars, current levels of artistic integrity. Give me hope for humanity. Great art too. He, I appreciate that, but to be fair, you haven't heard me hate something you love yet so <laughs> <laughs> that's true maybe maybe the star wars podcast wants to go back and listen to some of those book of boba fets and <laughs> it's true you know. that is that is the thing about you but no but that, i wouldn't have it any other way we're not here to cheerlead lucasfilm we're here to hopefully enjoy it and if we don't we'll be honest but boy am i loving andor andor's maybe my favorite non-star wars film thing of all time probably is easily yeah actually it is yeah that's my favorite yeah. non-film thing come on it has the kid raging against the machine in the first mm -hmm. episode how could you not <laughs> and how could uh, it not be up there for you rule farm boy already gave my he says gave my review my rate and review it he already did it he did it already good good job dude i appreciate that thanks everybody we'll be back on monday morning disney shilling as jedi mike says uh and jedi mike you gotta come hang out with us too and uh, and also the Star Wars podcast. Um, we, we should we should definitely have you on. We should all hang out. Um, I I hung out with Jedi Hat. Mike, and he is a fun guy. He's a fun guy. He's very smart. Also I forget, like folks, if you don't forget, don't forget. If you don't want to leave a, a review for us, then please go find your favorite podcast, and in their reviews, review us positively in their reviews. Hack the reviews. Hack the reviews. Go find the most popular podcast on on Apple or Spotify mm -hmm. or whatever, and give us a review. In their reviews. That's the uh, best way uh, to spread the news. Otherwise. Sorry, Canary. Okay. All right. I, I forgot I had that. I had to use it. Oh, I also forgot I had this. Hi, everybody. Bye, Rob. Thank Bye. you for the super chats today, Star Wars Podcast. I really appreciate it. And we'll see everybody Monday morning at. 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and on the podcast and on the podcast of It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! You know, 
not about spaceships. 